Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Bill Smoots delivers the message entitled, Playing in the Sandbox. We'll also have music from the Sanctuary Choir. So join us now from Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Friends, God, our Creator, knows each of us by name and knows our hearts intimately. So as we come together as a congregation to confess our sins, we can rest assured that it is to the God who loves us, the God God who desires to know us, the God who wants us to know that we are beloved, and it is to the God who in Christ sets us free of all that we can ever confess. In that assurance, let us confess together, saying, Sometimes, O God, your word is too much for us. You ask us to love our enemies when we can scarcely love our families as we should. You ask us to give when we want to take, and to forgive when we want to nurse bitterness. We thank you that you accept us as we are and that in Jesus, you show us what we can be. Help us to believe that we can be loving, just, and holy like you. Friends, the psalmist reminds us that the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting. In that promise, we know that we are forgiven. And in that promise, we find peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we remain standing, let us together state some of what we believe using the affirmation of faith that is printed in our worship bulletins. We believe in God who loves us as a parent, searching for us when we are lost, embracing us in our hurt, always looking for any reason to throw a party. We believe in the risen Christ who gathers all the lost and forgotten into a new community and tells them and us we are forgiven, blessed, and loved. We believe in the Holy Spirit who empowered the new community of followers to share bread, tell stories of God's love, and turn the world upside down. We are a faith-filled, spirit-empowered, blessed community. Amen. You may be seated. 
Our first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 133. It is the entire psalm. It reads as follows. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament lesson is from the book of Acts, the 11th chapter, the first 18 verses. Some things to remember always when we're reading from Acts is that the author of the book of Acts is the same as the gospel writer Luke, and uh, Luke was known for having the best Greek in the New Testament, and uh, Acts continues in that fashion, not only telling the story of the early church, uh, starting with Jesus' ascension, but uh, laying it out in a way that is clear and that is sensical. Our lesson is the very end of a larger portion of the book of Acts. In fact, uh, from chapter 10, verse 1 to chapter 11, verse 18 is the longest narrative, the longest story in the book of Acts. And so it's worthy for, of paying attention to just because of its length. Peter is one of the main characters, the apostle Peter, in this story. And if we even go back a few verses into uh, chapter 9, where we, we read of some of the amazing things that Peter is beginning to do, some of the, the Jesus-like things Peter is beginning to do because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter's guidance, uh, empowerment by the Holy Spirit continues in the longer story. And so I invite you to go back and, and start reading at some point earlier in Acts, either at 9, chapter 9, verse 32, or chapter 10, verse 1, and get a more complete sense of the story because this is a, a really critical story in the life of the early church, and so it's a really critical story for us in this day and age. Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I had a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And I looked at it closely, and I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, 
Then everything was pulled up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift that God gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Scripture read in worship is always a group activity. Even when we read Scripture on our own, we still do so as part of a larger community, the community of this church, the community of believers all around the world, where our reading is nurtured and shaped and informed by our fellow disciples and by 2,000 plus years of community tradition. And as we all know, or as we should know, life in community always requires us playing well together exhibiting toward one another the same kindness and grace we know in Jesus, especially, especially when it comes to Scripture. And yet, the, the history of the church tells a very different story, doesn't it? Being the imperfect human beings that we are, present-day church members like us and all the ancestors in faith who have preceded us, have to a remarkable degree continually demonstrated the ability to bicker and murmur and disagree and argue and even physically fight about all manner of things like church doctrine and the right language to use for baptism and the color of carpeting in the sanctuary. You all solve that by having tile. The landscaping around the church and on and on and on. And we disciples of Jesus are particularly adept at disagreeing when it comes to Scripture. Is Scripture read literally? Is it read and understood within its historical context? Which version of Scripture do or should we use? I mean, didn't God speak in King James? Since only the New Testament speaks about Jesus, do we really need all those many Hebrew scriptures? How is a particular word translated from the original Hebrew or Greek, especially when it doesn't have an English equivalent? 
Do the societal norms of a culture that existed in the ancient Near East 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, do these ancient norms continue to guide, even dictate, our societal norms today? Reading scripture is not and never has been for the faint of heart. Reading scripture takes energy and intelligence and imagination and above all, love. And there is one other really important ingredient for scripture reading, but let's not yet move too far into that detail lest we get ahead of ourselves today. I think it's always good to remind ourselves that reading scripture and thinking about how we read scripture together as a community is always about faith formation, about us forming and reforming our faith. Our focus on scripture is helping us practice the lifelong learning Jesus invites and expects of us as his disciples. Today's scripture lesson from the book of Acts tells the story of an early church fight where there was great controversy over reading and understanding scripture and over exactly who the gift of life in Jesus is for. Our story occurs in the earliest years of church history, most likely before there were any letters from the Apostle Paul being circulated to the churches he had founded, and certainly before there were any gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, and a couple of hundred years before the document we call the New Testament was assembled and agreed upon. In these early days, Christianity was little more than a reform movement within Judaism. Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, came to seek and save the lost of Israel, and his disciples who carried on this mission after Jesus' death did not stray from the initial path that he had set. And yet there was restlessness even in these early days as to the exclusive or inclusive nature of the church. Was the gospel of God's love just for some people or was it meant for all people? Luckily, our God, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is that other ingredient I alluded to a bit earlier, luckily our God, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, makes it abundantly clear how such questions are to be answered in every day and age of the church. Our Acts story centers around Peter, disciple extraordinaire, the rock upon whom Jesus promised to build his church, and also Cornelius, a Roman military and political leader. These two people begin having spirit-guided visions that eventually led them to one another, resulting in Peter accepting Cornelius' invitation to visit him in Caesarea, so that he and his household might listen to what the Lord commanded Peter to tell them. Well, Peter shows up with his six friends in Caesarea and starts to preaching. 
And before long, we're told that Peter sees signs of the Holy Spirit present among Cornelius and company. Now, the text does not say what these signs are, but in the early church, signs of the Spirit were understood to be an invitation to baptism, which is exactly what Peter does. Even though Cornelius and company are not Jewish, but are Gentiles, which means anybody who's not Jewish, given the visions that Peter has been having in recent days about all food being clean, which overturns the the kosher food laws he had grown up with, observed all his life, given these visions, Peter doesn't even pause to question this unusual presence of the Spirit. Peter just starts sharing baptismal water in abundance. Eventually, Peter returns to Jerusalem where he sits down with other members and leaders of the early church and describes what God has been teaching him and having him do in recent days. The others to whom Peter is talking are loving his story of God declaring all food clean and thus no longer subject to the Jewish food laws. And these others are enraptured by how God brings Peter and Cornelius together for gospel sharing. And the others are amazed when the Holy Spirit appears in the presence of Gentiles. But then when Peter tells his compatriots that he baptized the the Gentiles, well, they lose their minds. And they begin yelling at Peter, and they begin yelling at each other, for there is no way, no way, that those who do not live under Jewish law, as described in the Hebrew scripture books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the Torah, There is no way that God would allow these strangers, these foreigners, the very same gift that God's chosen people enjoy. The Holy Spirit, like God's love, is only for them and no one else. And just when all hell is about to break loose in this particular church assembly, just when the fight is really warming up and about to take off, something unexpected happens. In a moment of great clarity, those gathered realize that God, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, is leading them and leading the young church into new and unchartered territory. Newness, which is beyond the bounds of tradition. Newness, which is beyond the bounds of sacred law. Newness, which is even beyond the bounds of Scripture. Newness, which is even beyond the bound of Scripture. And so instead of having a fight over how to read and understand Scripture, this church assembly is silenced. Silenced by the power of God, silenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they listen and respond as the Spirit reminds everyone how God expects Jesus' disciples to play together 
and pray together and read scripture together. This is an amazing story. For me, one of the most significant stories in all of scripture. It's a story that changes the direction of the church forever and not just 2,000 years ago, but to my mind forever, meaning always. For it is a story which enables we Gentiles to be here today as disciples of Jesus. As we consider what the story of Peter and Cornelius teaches us about reading and utilizing Scripture, I want to point to Presbyterian pastor and preaching professor Anna Carter Florence, who equates reading Scripture together in community to the experience of playing in a sandbox with others. As children, says Florence, we all learn the rules of etiquette to keep sandbox play fair and safe. As we listen to the ten sandbox rules she offers, let us consider how these rules might apply to our reading of Scripture. The sandbox rules are one, sand is fun, two, sand is messy, three, shovels are for digging, not hitting. Four, don't be bossy. Let others build in their own way. Five, you can knock over what you build, but not what others build. Six, be kind to babies and toddlers who haven't learned the rules yet. Seven, if you need help, ask a grown-up. Eight, keep the neighborhood cats out of the sandbox. Nine, what we build in sand does not last forever. And 10, come back again and build tomorrow. I included the rules in the bulletin so you have them for reference if you want them again. Reading scripture is both more fun and more meaningful when we read it with others, when we read it together. Reading scripture is also more fun and more meaningful when we gracefully allow and welcome the different approaches and the different perspectives we all bring to be, a, to be around the reading table together. Reading scripture and living scripture becomes more exciting and more challenging when we listen as guided by the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit always pushes us beyond what we think the rules are. The, the Spirit always pushes us beyond our comfort zone. The Spirit always pushes us out into the presence of God where all things, all things are possible. Now remember last week I, I introduced the, I, the idea of spiritual homework and said I like to assign us spiritual homework each week. And so for our spiritual homework this week, let us find at least one partner here in the sanctuary, in our homes, our friend group out and about. Let us find at least one partner to read scripture with. And as we read together, let us practice the sandbox rules for our reading, that we may listen 
well to each other and to the Spirit, that we may explore our discipleship deeply, that we may welcome the Holy Spirit to take us wherever God desires us to be. For who are we? Who are we that we could hinder God? Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B. PRES.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. <laughs>